everybody. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Taylor. And now we're talking, Darian. Hello and welcome. Today is March 24th, and I am so excited to introduce our very first podcast, very first guest. Jamie Stevenson is with us today, our first selectman here in Darien. And Liz, I couldn't be more excited that she agreed to do this. I know, I'm with you. I have known Jamie now since 2014, I think, when I was first appointed to the Architectural Review Board. She and the other selectmen were the ones who did my interview and approved my appointmentship. So, um, that was awfully nice. Yeah, that was. But what were they thinking? Um, well, she was just as nice to me when she signed the petition that allowed me to join the RTM. So, you know, we have Jamie Stevenson to thank. Right. I also like am dying to hear about her on the personal side because, particularly in this climate, I find it amazingly courageous that someone like Jamie or anyone who puts himself in the ring every day, day after day, to take on what potential criticism is inevitably going to come your way. So I really want to hear more about the kind of person that can handle that every day and is courageous enough to do it. Yeah, it's no joke. And actually, as we were preparing to do this podcast, we realized that there were so many things we wanted to ask her about her personal life, uh, but also that we wanted to ask about her professional life, that we wanted to split this podcast into two pieces. So we're going to start with her as, as a person, mom, friend, wife, lady around town. And then our second episode will be her professional background and discussion of current issues facing Darianne. And so with that, um, I'd like to welcome Jamie Stevenson. Jamie, thank you for being here and for agreeing to do this for us right out of the gates. Thank you so much for having me, for trusting that I could be your first guest. No pressure, Jamie. Um, I'm thrilled to be here, Taylor. Liz, it's great to be with you. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you are the perfect first guest. Well, I'm really this. proud of you guys for doing this. I love the name. You know, I, the idea of being able to sit down and have a, an actual conversation, not talk to somebody over social media is just such a treat for me. Oh, thanks. We feel the same way. We think it needs to happen more in this town. So let's talk for a second for the people that don't know you in town a little bit about your background. You've been our first selectman now for 10 years, which I didn't even realize that anniversary had happened, but um, congratulations, thank you, or it's happening this fall, is that right? Yes, in yeah. November. Um, but 12 years serving on the Board of Selectmen. Correct. Um, no small feat. Thank you for your service before we get started. So, you know, I do want to talk for a minute about, you know, your experiences growing up. You're an Arizona State grad. Go Sun Devils. <laughs> Grew yep. up in Reading, Pennsylvania, is that right? That is correct. Yep. And um, worked at S&P. That was cool background and then you know worked your way up but let's where do you want to start with this because you have you know so many so many cool things in your background like want to talk about how you grew up or sure well first um you're very kind to say that one thing that i'm reminded of every day in this community is the amazing people that live here in darien the if you have participated in any of the darien community association get to know your neighbors the success and experience of the people that live here is just unparalleled. So um, I feel a little bit, you know, uh, you know, I've certainly done some interesting things in my life, but um, pales in comparison to many people that live in this town. But I'm happy to tell you about how I grew up. Um, very modest upbringing in Reading, Pennsylvania, the suburbs of Reading, Pennsylvania. I have one older brother. He's 18 months older than me. His name is John. And... Um, my parents were very low, moderate income, but they knew that education was the ticket for my brother and I. 
So um, they were the first in their family to actually own a home. And they moved us to a place where we could go to a good public school. So, you know, this is a very common theme, especially for us that live here in southwestern Connecticut. Um, We heard a lot here in Darien over and over again. You know, uh, it can't be understated or overstated, I should say, the power of a good education as a foundation for kids. So, um, you know, I grew up uh, like any other normal kid, um, and I had interest in music. Um, little known fact, I was the, um, the captain of the rifle twirling squad for no way. our marching band. We had a very competitive marching band at Governor Mifflin High School. So you twirl the baton? I twirl the rifle. Oh, you twirled oh, the You actually yes. twirled the gun. I mean, yes. Are you no, allowed to do that under 18? <laughs> that is pretty cool. Oh, that's crazy. Um, God, but, I love America. <laughs> but we, as, as a marching band in high school, we traveled all over the place and competed. Right. And that is a super cool thing. If you've never seen it done, it's, it's really complex, but it was really fun. So um, that was something interesting in my background. Can but, you still twirl a rifle? I bet I could if I had one. Wow. I bet I could. Taylor, go get your rifle upstairs. We've got to go see that sometime. Um, and I did a lot of amateur music theater. Um, music and theater was my my passion growing up. So I did a lot of summer theater. My father was very musical. Um, and we actually had uh, such fun performing in a couple of plays together. Which you was and great. your dad? My dad. No yeah. way. Yeah. There was this wonderful theater company in Reading called the Reading Civic Opera Society. It wasn't opera. It was all Broadway music and Broadway quality um, amateur music theater. So we did a couple of shows together, which was really fun. And That is um, so cool. I played the lead once in the Fantastics, which was really exciting and fun for me. Wow. I can't believe I know this about you. I I this, these are fun facts. When I've heard you sing, and you're quite a good singer, I just never knew that. That's so cool. Where have you sung around here? Have you sung in Darien? <laughs> oh, my, my greatest claim to fame around here is every now and then I get to sing the national anthem at the fireworks, which is very fun. But I haven't sang for a long time. I, I did sing in the choir for about 13 years at the First Congregational Church um, until mm-hmm. I became a selectman, and then it was... A little bit difficult to go out so many evenings. Oh my gosh, that is, you know, I think I remember actually seeing you when my first Fourth of July is out here. I think I remember seeing you sing. I didn't associate that that was our first selectman. I never saw you that. Not- I, I heard you sing Fleetwood Mac, I think, in your garage once. Oh yeah. That was pretty <laughs> awesome. That. that was good. <laughs> well, impressive. you know. Give me, give me a glass of wine or two, and maybe I'll sing for you. <laughs> hey, hey. Or tequila. We've got yeah. time. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like I grew up, my recollection of my childhood was that it was very normal. Um, my parents raised me no different than they raised my brother with the idea that I could do anything at all that I set my mind to. Um, Went to school, went to college at Albright College for two years in Reading, studied psychology and biology. I was convinced I was going to medical school until I took biology and realized I wasn't going to medical school. (laughs) (laughs) So I I then decided to change my major to telecommunication business management, did some research across the country, found the Walter Cronkite School of Communication at Arizona State University, Transferred out there, 
Um, and that was really a pivotal moment in my life because we didn't know anybody that lived out there. I didn't know one person on the campus of 40,000 students. So that's really how I grew up. I was on my own, um, had to take care of myself. And, and from there, you know, graduated and lived in Arizona for about six years. Um, my very first job, this is another fun fact, my very first job out of college was selling the first mobile telephones. Oh my gosh. Do you remember those at all? You guys are too yeah, young. Yeah, like the big ones? Yeah, it was Zach like Morris it was like a phone one? handle yeah, on like top a of a, an ammo box. <laughs> yes, right? yep. Um, and they were $3,000 a piece, and you only sold them to like rich real estate developers. Right. So that was that was fun. Why why did you go to school in Pennsylvania to start in your your local community college? Is that what it was? No, it was a small private school. Okay. It wasn't community college. Okay. Uh, I I think really it was just accessibility and um, maybe a little trepidation stepping away. The kids that I went to high school with, it was nothing like here in Darien where everybody's college bound. Not many people. I think I was maybe one of two in my graduating class that went to college. Um, outside of the state of Pennsylvania. Some went to colleges around. Not everybody went to college. So very, very different upbringing than, than What here. about the means? Like, Was that a problem for you guys? Did your parents have the ability to send you anywhere if you had dreamed big and said, hey, I want to go to Harvard? Like, um, My parents put every nickel they had into my education. My brother was very fortunate, very smart, um, very fortunate that he got uh, a commission to the Air Force Academy. So he had his education paid for, and then um, he paid it back in spades because he stayed in the Air Force for 26 years, retired as a colonel. Wow. Um, he had a cool career. He flew F-15s for a while, worked at the Pentagon, did some really, really cool stuff. I'm super wow. proud of my brother. That's tough to fly F-15s. you got to be the top of the top to get those, yeah, those he's, assignments. He's He's a pretty neat guy. So... Um, my parents spent what they had on my education. I had student loans that I had to pay off, um, after college, you know, had to always work during college for my spending money. And, um, a memory of mine is that I could have a plane ticket home. I could have one plane ticket home from Arizona every year. It was either Christmas or the end of the year. And I had to choose. And if I wanted more than that, I had to make that happen on my own. So... That's great. It's funny. I was going to say how families who have worked hard, middle-class families, value education. My dad also came from little to no means, and he always told us, he instilled in us in the beginning, people can take anything away from you except an education. It is invaluable. Um, and he his, he came from a family that had never gone to college as well. Like He was the first of his entire family to go to college. Um, so it's because it's interesting that your parents put all their money in that my dad worked to send us kids to college to have a better life. Was yep. the, right? It's something we all have been called. Yeah, my dad too, you know, got on the train and went to West Point when he was 18. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's pretty interesting. And I love hearing you talk about your brother. Yeah, then, thank you. Had, tell me how you, so you've met your husband, John, at some point. How, how long after college was that? That was about six years out of college. Um, I had had a couple of jobs in the interim. Uh, I was still living in Arizona at the time. And I, back to the singing, 
I was uh, asked to come back to Pennsylvania to sing in the wedding of one of my best friends from kindergarten. So you were known in your home. I was, like, I was like the wedding singer. <laughs> yep, that was me, the wedding singer. Jamie Stevenson, wedding singer. Yep. Not first selectman. Yeah. Uh, 10 so, year anniversary, you got a call coming your way when I hit my 10 year. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> so um, at that wedding, I met John. Um, he had gone to college with the bride and groom. Um, and you know, not to deviate too much from this podcast, but I had been dating somebody in Arizona for three years and we had planned to get married. Oh, wow. He was younger than me. Um, so met John at this wedding in Pennsylvania, go back to Arizona. My boyfriend at the time sensed that something was a little amiss. So he popped the question. Oh boy. I, of course, said yes, because we had planned, you know, for a long time. I had met John for literally 24 hours. Um, lo and behold, I had another wedding that I came back to sing in Pennsylvania a month later, literally a month later. So I go to this wedding, and now I'm, I'm engaged. I'm, I'm wearing the ring. And By the way, who's paying for all these flights now? <laughs> Yeah, it was, you know, the, the, the brides and grooms were kind oh. to, to bring me back. Okay. She was the talent. She was the talent. She was That's the good. wedding singer. <laughs> so I'm, I'm at my parents' house um, getting ready for the rehearsal dinner for the second wedding, and who shows up at my parents' door but John? Wow. He drove all the way from Connecticut, or I guess New York at the time. Wow. And, you know, I, I, I wasn't very nice, I don't think. I said, you know, I'm sorry, I'm engaged, and... Gotta go. Well, don't you know, he decides to take my parents out to dinner. Oh, good Lord. And schmooze my mom and dad. <laughs> my dad was a big man. golfer. John's a big golfer. So they just got along famously. So um, that is awesome. <laughs> That's I the move. I love John. <laughs> go, John. So after that, John and I just struck up a, a long distance friendship by phone. Um, and, and one thing led to another and I was missing home. I'm, I'm an East coast girl, although I love my time in Arizona. Um, I'm an East coast girl and I decided that I wanted to move back here, but I wouldn't move back here if I didn't have a job. So first wedding bride gets me an interview at standard and Poor's. And I get the job as a bond analyst for Standard & Poor's in their newly formed asset-backed finance department. I guess that's funny. What qualifications did you have to get that job? That is such a good question, Liz, because, <laughs> because I, really didn't, I really didn't. Um, you know, I didn't study accounting or finance in college. But back to the point of education, I grew up understanding that hard work, I can learn to do anything that I want to do. So I just poured myself into it and I, and I learned. And I would say that of, of all the things in my life I, I, I am very proud of, I'm a lifelong learner. I, I can't get enough about learning about new things and having new experiences. I'm sure there's many people like that. Um, so I learned how to analyze asset-backed bonds. And Okay, little known fact number three. <laughs> I was the queen of mobile homes. So oh. at the time, they were, they were um, uh, packaging up loans of all yeah. different kinds of assets. So my two areas of specialty were BMW loans and mobile home loans. 
So I would have to travel to the deep south to all these mobile home manufacturing places and talk about their finances. Fascinating. Very, very interesting. So you came, you're back finally to your hometown, to your, your home and when area. Did you, when did yep. you stop doing that, the S&P job? Uh, with the birth of my second daughter. Okay. Um, it became more expensive to pay for childcare living here than um, my salary. Uh, but I did, I did leave there as a vice president at the time, making what I realized at the time was really good money. My husband misses that, that <laughs> yeah. second income a lot. So you came back, you got married. Came back, you kids. know, we, we courted, we got married, lived in Brooklyn Heights until the birth of our first daughter. You broke that engagement off there somewhere, Jamie. That's yeah, another I story. Did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did before that. I came back from Arizona. Okay, yeah. that's a ladylike thing to do. Yes. yes. And you gave the ring back? I gave the ring, darn right. it all, I gave the ring back, yes. Oh my gosh, you, did. you didn't have any money, you should have sold that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes. <laughs> I kind of actually want to hear about John a little bit more. A guy sure. who would come to your front door mm. and... Win your parents over. I mean, I want that guy on my sales team now, and I want to have a drink with him now and figure out what is going on. Like, tell us. Oh, I have I have funny stories about John. He's awesome. By the way, there is no way that I could have been a selectman or your first selectman for the last ten years without my husband John, because being a chief elected official, um, he doesn't really like that I say this, but it's the God's honest truth. I have to put my work before my family many times. And I've been dedicated to doing that. I've missed a lot of stuff with my family over the last 10 years. Um, and he's allowed me to do that. Um, it's so. funny you say that, though, because I've asked this, Taylor and I have talked about this before, that I, I've always wanted to ask you like how you juggle being a wife and being a selectman, because it is a known fact around town, actually to people who serve in, in government, probably not to the, the, the normal bystander, that you have made being a selectman a full-time job. And it really never was a full-time job until Jamie Stevens came along and and did what you've done here. So how does and we your... skipped over the data point that she has five children. Yeah, yeah we got to get back to that. But like, yeah. I, I always wondered how your marriage fares with the job you do here. And the scrutiny you get put under, and the public figure. I mean, you walk out of that your house, and people are like, "Hey, Jamie, hey, Jamie, hey, Jamie, you can't get two feet." Like, doesn't your husband go mad? This this guy, I gotta see this guy. We should run. Yeah, like I said, he um, he's remarkable. He, not that I needed his permission by any means. I don't mean to make it sound like that. Of course, but, no. but it was a family decision to for me to run for elected office. There's a lot that comes with that. There's a lot that I didn't know would come with that. Certainly the, the burgeoning world of social media um, and the scrutiny that you're under, the scrutiny that your family's under. And we can talk about a couple things with my family that um, you know occurred while I've been serving. Um, he has always been a family guy. And so he has had the good fortune of working from home since 2007. Um, and you know he loved taking the kids to school. And, um, you know, if they forgot their lunch, I would be the mean mom. I'd say, no, he would take them their lunch, take them their gym shoes. But he loved that. And he was their softball coach. And, you know, he just, he knew before we even had kids, he actually asked me if I would have five kids, by the way, before he asked me to marry him. He doesn't really remember it that way, but he did. Um, I said, maybe we'll take one at a time. Um, In any case, um, it was purposeful. 
that he wanted to be engaged in their life as they were growing up. What does he do for a living? He is... uh, 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 works for Silvercrest Asset Management Corporation and invests in municipal bonds for high net worth individuals. Okay. And his expertise is in hospitals and charter schools. All right. Yep. Charter All right. schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. another topic we'll hit in the yeah. next section. Wait, so what was that conversation like when you said, did you come home one day and say, hey, I'm thinking about running for public office? Or did he, how did this come about? Yes, I I had been approached by my two teammates at the time who were looking for somebody um, to balance out, probably by gender first, and then somebody who really knew the community. And by by the time 2009 came around, you know, I had, like all of you, I had volunteered all along the way with the stuff my kids were in, um, loved the chance to be the president of the Darien Nature Center and the first congregational nursery school. Um, PTOs, Royal PTO, Darien High School. So I, I, I knew the community pretty well. Um, and that was a great benefit to the team at the time in 2009. And, um, you know, he's, he's always been very supportive of me. So I'm, I'm super grateful. So to, so you, to your colleagues came to you and said like, Hey, Jamie, we think you'd be great to yeah. go in public office. Correct. And you said they wanted a teammate okay. to run. I'm like, hmm, that sounds that sounds fun and interesting. Why not? Okay. So how old were your kids when that happened? I guess my son was probably about 10 years old. My youngest was 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, it's been, a, it's been a great, you know, impressive long run and you've, you know, you've raised kids through this and that hasn't been easy. And we can certainly talk about that if you're willing. I mean, cause it's, it's a, it's not an unsubstantial thing that you did. Um, I mean, to, to Liz's point earlier, I don't know how you do it every single day. I mean, thinking about COVID, I told Liz this the other day. I'm like, when I was hiding under my dining room table, you know, holding my kids close, like, we're going to be okay. Jamie's walking out the front door like, all right, how are we going to fix this? And the, I mean, my hat is off to you for that. Um, but let's talk about your family and like the impact that that has had on your family. And uh, would they still vote yes to do it all over again? I think there was a time when they were, you know, maybe a little bit perplexed why, you know, mom wasn't home for dinner and dad was cooking the dinner. Um, but I think what I'm most proud of is being a role model for all of my children, certainly, but for my four daughters to, you know, think that, again, you you can do whatever you want to do and um, giving back to your community is so important. It really, it really um, makes you feel like you're you're part of your neighborhood and and your friends and your the people that you work with. Um, I think if you ask them today, they're very proud of me. But I think there were a number of years when they would say, "We wish you were home, mom." Well, not for nothing. Like, did you think this this amount of scrutiny would come in public office? No, I think I was probably a little bit naive about that. Well, it was time in before before social media really right. took over. I was going to say, were times different when you decided this? I mean, ten years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I mean, obviously, it's not like today. So it was a different level of scrutiny. But did it still occur to you that I don't? I don't think I thought about it. the The opportunity was was exciting and fun and meaningful. Um, you know, like like so many other women that we know. Um, we all have had professional backgrounds, and then we, if we're if we're fortunate, we get to 
take a pause from our profession and stay home and, and raise our kids, but we don't lose that thirst for intellectual engagement. So for me, it was really an opportunity to, to re-engage with, again, my, my desire to continue to learn and do and share and contribute. I love this about you, Jamie. I love that you're always striving to do better, to do more. Like you're never complacent, even like through COVID. I mean, let's, let's talk about COVID. You mentioned this, Taylor, but even through COVID, you're never, whenever we, we achieved a new milestone and got better, you were like, okay, next, more, let's do better. I mean, you're always looking for greatness. You know, I, I have to really give a shout out to the people that I work with. We have an amazing team Maybe people don't realize it because, you know, you might need to go to town hall if you need a beach sticker or a dump sticker. But the people that work at Darien Town Hall are so dedicated to their job, to serving us. Um, and it's been invaluable to see the team effort through COVID especially. You know, these are people that have their own families, you know, family members that got sick, Sometimes they might have someone in, that they know that, that passed away during COVID, but they came to work every day yeah. to serve us. So um, I could get a little choked up about that. I'm grateful. Yeah, we have a great team. Well, that's also a testament to you. Like you put together a great team. Um, you know, I've had the, you. the good fortune of interacting with a lot of them and they're incredible people. So hats off. Yeah. Well, um, you, you and I both, you and I both do a little board chairing at town hall. So we know a lot of the, the employees there. And I, I love, I mean, I work with a lot of the zoning employees. I love those guys. They truly are dedicated. They'll, some of them drive at 10 o'clock at night after a long day to drop off packets at people's house. And, right. I mean, you might have that with the board of finance. Oh, totally. I mean, absolutely. The staff throughout that building is, is exceptional, but you know, let's talk for a little bit more about your, about your kids and experiences mm-hmm. as a mom. Um, you know, talk to us about that. Like, what have been your biggest challenges as a mom that was trying to work at the same time? I think just just being there um, for your kids. Um, if you had to categorize John and me, I'm really kind of the disciplinarian in the family. That might not surprise you. Um, John's kind of Mr. Softy. Um, and so... Um, I, I think it was that, you know, my desire to put structure around the family and, you know, sort of to keep the order um, was difficult, certainly, while I had to prioritize being first selectman. But, you know, my kids are awesome. I love my kids. My kids are not, you know, it hasn't been without its challenges. Um, and I shared with Taylor uh, and it was pretty public at the time, right before I joined the board of selectmen. My oldest daughter um, had some emotional struggles in high school, and um, she was not able to graduate with her class, um, didn't quite make it to graduation in 2008. Uh, so I, I know firsthand what the stressors of this community can do from a social and emotional perspective. And that became a very, very public issue. Um, and, and we had to, you know, work our way through that as a family. You mean people, public issue and that people talked about it or like it was just a, oh yes. Oh, the, because why? Well, because at the time were you already a public figure in many ways, people knew you or just, this is just the town of Darien and people talk. I think, I think people knew me, um, people talk and, um, 
It was interesting to see who was so kind and compassionate at the time, and equally as interesting to see who was, you know, really ready to um, kind of throw the family under the bus. Mm. Um, but we persevered. Um, my daughter got the support and help that she needed. Um, and I'm so proud of where she's come today. Um, she is married and has our first grandchild who's three years old. She has a master's degree in social work. She's a licensed clinical social worker, which probably, um, she probably went into that profession based on some of her own experiences. Um, but that's been great. Uh, but you know, you, you know, your parents, your moms, um, you know, if you're only as happy as your least happy child. And so that consumed the lives of our family for quite a long time. And my two youngest children were very young at the time. Um, so, um, you know, we, we all have our stuff and that was a big one for us. Well, you've definitely given people, I think, hope and strength by being so willing to talk about it. I mean, I think it's really great of you to be willing to talk about it because a lot of people keep that stuff to themselves. And I know you didn't really have the luxury being, you know, in elected office, but, you know, thank you on behalf of families that benefited from that. Well, that's actually a question. Can I ask you, Jamie? Like, would you have kept this to yourself? As a... Describe your character and how you work through difficult times, trauma. If you weren't in the role you were, were you would you have kept this insular and worked through it with your family, or did you find strength going to your community and being open about this? Like, how do you handle difficult situations in your personal life? So the decision to be really public about my daughter's issues, and and you could probably Google her name today and find the article that was written about her by Dave Rudin. Um, my girls were all very athletic, and Alex was the the starting catcher for the Darien High School softball team, and she was on you know state championship volleyball team. And the reason why her issue became so public is because she was a very good athlete and 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 pretty well known. Um, my next youngest daughter um, was also an athlete, and they competed together in volleyball. Um, so they were role models in the community in themselves, like. Well, along with their teammates, yes. Okay. People, people knew who they were. I assume they're pretty. You're pretty. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> even though on podcast, I want to throw that out there. <laughs> so, so they were good looking, smart, and attractive. So, a guy wrote an article. Well, um, Alex was pretty well known for her uh, skills with softball and volleyball. So. Uh, Dave Rudin asked Alex if she would go public with her story. So I credit her with her courage to talk about what she had gone through. Um, and, you know, I, I just, we kind of live our life that way that we're just, we're just open. We're just open and honest people. I really don't know how to be any different. It's how I do my job every day is just to be transparent and open. Um, and I will say that the best thing about Alex's story is how many people reached out to our family in the years since with, you know, advice for their own children um, and, and, and being able to assist families in finding the care that they needed for their own kids. So um, didn't expect that at all, but, um, you know, pay it forward. 
That's awesome. And, you know, it's interesting because I'm sitting here listening to you and, you know, I've been lucky enough to get to know you over the last few years. And I remember once riding in the car with you when you were running for lieutenant governor and we were talking and I said, I don't think I could do this because you had just gotten off the phone and, you know, somebody was being awful. And I thought, I just don't, I don't think I could handle this. And I think you said something to the point that, or effect that you had the emotional armor to handle it. And I thought, what an interesting term. Um, is it from things like this or is it from your childhood? Is it everything? How did you get to be so willing to be so open and yet so able to handle the stresses that clearly face you every day? So probably um, you might not expect this. People think that because I've been in public office and you know a lot of stuff being thrown my way and um, you know I have to look at it on social media, I will say that the best day of my life was when I deleted my Facebook, my personal Facebook. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know, I really miss those birthday reminders because I can't remember them myself, but, um, (laughs) it was very freeing to, to not be constantly assaulted, um, by people who, um, I, I only wish that they, if they, if they spent half their energy doing positive things for the town of Darien, it, it would be amazing. Um, but I don't have thick skin. I am an incredibly sensitive person, but what I've learned to do over time is if, you know, people are angry and agitated, I listen for the piece of their message that I need to hear. And I try and set the rest aside and realize that they're angry for a reason. Um, and it might have nothing to do with me Um, could have something else completely unrelated in their life. But maybe there's a message in there that I need to take in and really think about uh, if there's something that we need to do better or different. So that's how I've chosen to try and manage it over time. Wise words. I wish we could all do that. I know. That's that's a smart piece of advice to go with, though, because you're right. The anger usually is never directed at you, but even though you might be the, not you, but one. I mean, Taylor talked about this, too. I asked her, because she, the reason we met is I first saw a petition she sent out about, um, even before getting her kids in school, it was like, before, like a year ago. And I asked her when we first met, I said, how do you deal with the scrutiny? And you had a similar response to like, not emotional armor, but you, you were something about, you know, I believe in what I'm doing. And if I believe in my cause, then the rest melts away. Something which I found inspired. Yeah. I found it was easier to put up with the negativity when you really believe in what you're doing or what you're standing up for. Yeah. Um, But I, I just, you know, I still haven't experienced it, you know, the way you have. So I'm impressed. It's incredible. And then if it comes on to your kids, not to go back, but this is just fascinating. As a mom, especially a young mom, like like I am fierce mama bear. <laughs> Someone goes after my kids. So I can only imagine if your daughter's struggling and having real emotional problems, you've gone, to, you've taken the step to be vulnerable and be open to people to share your experience so that they can hopefully benefit and grow from it and learn and not maybe have those same obstacles and maybe you know divert some of those. And then you still have people that are hating how do you not get angry, Jamie? Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen you angry. How do you not? Well, it, it still goes on, too. I mean, yes. people around the state, when you ran for lieutenant governor, see blonde hair, blue eyes, and pearls and think, oh, she's just one of those rich Darian yes. ladies. And yes. it, it couldn't be farther from the truth. That's not your story at all. But, you know, you just smile and say, 
you don't know me very well, do you? Like you're just so put yes. together. You never let it ruffle you. That's exactly what I would say. You know, if you, you know, t- had interest and took the time to sit down and talk with me for five minutes, I guarantee you we would have far more in common than we, than we don't. So, um, you know, I, I just, again, I live my life. I, I have to look myself in the mirror every morning and, you know, be committed to the things that I'm doing that I believe in, um, and, and, and honor my, myself, my family, and know that in the big picture, the work that I do for the town of Darien is for the greater good of the majority of the people that live here. There's always going to be special interest groups that aren't going to be happy with something, but, you know, you have to learn how to think about the bigger picture and the community as a whole and over the long term, not the short term. And that's it. I was going to say that's a good segue into our into our next segment about the professional side of you. But before we go there, like, let's talk for a quick second, lighten it up. What do you like to do outside of all this work? Like, what's your favorite extracurricular activity? Singing is one of them, right? Well, I'd like I'd I'd actually really like to get back to singing. And my son is very musical and he plays the guitar and writes songs. So um, I have uh, I have just this great desire that maybe one day he's going to write a song that we can sing together. That would be super fun. The Stevenson Christmas Classic album. I love it. (laughs) Or the new, now we're talking Darian podcast jingle, maybe. Can you please write us a jingle? Oh, we're going to do your intro song. How about that? I think that (laughs) sounds brilliant. Um, So um, I'm a little bit boring. Um, I used to enjoy playing a lot of tennis, which sounds like such a Darian thing to do, but. it's, it's a fun sport for me. It's very athletic. I liked it a lot, singles tennis. Do you work out? Oh, hmm. do I have to admit that on this podcast? Yeah, come on. Relate to I, us. I, <laughs> I've gone through times when I've had a lot of desire to, to get in shape. I have to set goals for myself. I'm not really good with like the day-to-day, get on the Peloton or go out and go for a run. But if I have a goal, then I will work to achieve it. So... Um, I, I worked really hard once to do a Tough mutter. Wow. That's right. That was crazy. Crazy. Um, After kids? Yes, just a couple years ago. That's and, awesome. And tell us what that entails, because I've seen pictures and I've heard stories, but I don't really know what that entails. The one that I did was about 12 miles long, Holy and cow. it's literally in the mud. Yeah. Um, cool. And you, you run from one obstacle to the next, and I... You know, I think there were probably about 24 obstacles that you had to go over under, you know, things swinging under barbed wire. Um, so you really had to be in good shape to do that. And, and there, there's another woman who lives in the town of Darien that was in the group that I was with. We did it together and it was such a fun memory to, to do it with, to do it with a friend. Um, that is cool. You know, what do you, what do you and your husband do together? What's your favorite activity? We, I, I would say it's kind of a passive activity, but we both love music. So, um, you know, I would love nothing more than taking a year and going to all the concerts that I want to go to wherever they might be in the United States and see cool people. Okay. Number music. one concert. What would you see? Yeah. Oh, um, I'm a little bit different in my music likes. I love this band called Switchfoot. Um, they're sort of a, a little bit of a, a Christian rock kind of a band. I didn't see that yeah. coming. <laughs> That's um, uh, love Nashville. We've been to Nashville to see Amy Grant and Vince Gill 
at Christmas time. Um, Natasha Bedingfield, if you know her, is a favorite of mine. My alter ego, though, um, you know, uh, if we're truth telling here, is Pink. Oh. oh my gosh, she's awesome. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. I never saw that coming. Oh yeah, she is talented. Yeah, very talented. I heard there's a singer that just moved to Darien. Country oh. singer Griffin House. Well, Griffin, that's if you're out there, awesome. If, if that's your real name, we would love I to have you on this podcast. Actually, yes, just the name alone is cool. Yep, that's super cool. And I definitely had a couple of songs of his on my playlist the last few years, and I'm like, no way, he just moved to town. Yep. But to answer your question directly, um, we have a big family, and our free time is spent with our kids and going to see our kids. They're, you know, I'm I'm sad that none of them live in Connecticut. Um, I've got two in California, one in Vermont, one in Virginia, and one finishing college in Florida. So um, any any discretionary time we have is usually spent with with our kids somewhere. And why are they not in Connecticut? Um, well, my, I could be perfectly honest. My oldest daughter, Alex, who lives in Vermont, graduated from the university of Vermont, met her husband up there. Um, but Fairfield County was a tough environment for her. Mm. So, uh, you know, she sort of went 180 degrees in terms of where she chose for her life environment. Hey, this doesn't surprise me. My, my husband's from, he's from New Canaan and he moved back here, but I'm always fascinated because I said... I'm from St. Louis, and I never would have moved back there. I just wanted more. I wanted to get away from there. But I'm always surprised by the number of people who actually do come back to Fairfield County. So when I hear people now, I'm like, yes, okay, you go experience other things. So Alex wanted to go. Yeah, she did. And I've got, I've got two out in California who are, who are living their best life, enjoying living near Venice Beach. Um, hopefully, they'll come back closer someday. Maybe um, when they start paying taxes. <laughs> Uh, that could be very true. Yes. And uh, I don't know where my son will end up. He's, he's still in school. And, um, my daughter who's in Virginia graduated from the university of Richmond and her, almost her entire friend group stayed in Richmond. So they have a, a wonderful, affordable life in Richmond, Virginia. See, this is the problem with five kids, where to retire. See, what you have to do is just find a really cool place with a pool that they want to by come. the ocean that they'll come yeah, to. Because yeah, you're totally. not, you can't possibly go chase That's after exactly them. Right. That's very true. Now, one last thing. You have skydived, haven't you? I have. I've done it twice. Twice? Yes. Now, what made you want to do that? Well, she may not want me to say her name on this podcast, <laughs> but I will. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you might remember Sarah Seely, former moderator oh, of the yes. RTM. Yes. So um, she decided, we decided that that would be a really fun thing to do. So she and I went with her two boys uh, up to Ellington Airport in Connecticut and did, it was tandem. I don't think I could jump out of an airplane by myself. Okay. Um, but I had this very experienced um military veteran. I think he had done thousands of of jumps uh, that I was literally connected to. Um, So I did that. And then I took my family back. Taylor's very handsome. I was just imagining. (laughs) And Taylor's dream, she's skydiving with a very handsome military professional (laughs) Navy SEAL. So I, I felt comfortable, but I did my kids were really interested in doing it after I did it that once. So they uh, talked me into going back to do it again. So um, it was a lot harder the second time 
because I was in the plane with one of my daughters and I should have known I should have gone out first. I watched her fall out of the plane. So um, that was like a bad mom moment. moment. That was really tough for me. Um, But, you know, here we are. It was a great, it was a great experience. Oh, that's so cool. I love this. One of these times, like on the person, we got to get like some of your kids in here, get their perspective on you working. Oh boy. Life in the Stevens house and your husband. I mean, this guy, if he's not going to come in here, I got to find a sales job for him somewhere because (laughs) he can sell ketchup popsicle to a lady in white gloves, it sounds like. Well, he's an interesting guy and he's exactly the person that you just mentioned because he grew up here. Ah. Yep. He um, was born in Stamford um, and moved here to Darien when he was in elementary school and grew up on Holly Lane here in Darien. No kidding. Uh, went Lovely. to Gettysburg College. And so many of his friends that he grew up with are still here or, or they came back here. And that amazes me too about how many people might leave and then come back. I think it's a real wonderful testament to our community. It is. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap it up and say thank you so much for coming for this first part of our interview with you. It's been awesome. And, uh, and we'll be back very soon for part two where we talk about your, your professional life. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you.